This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm going to read this to you because I want to read it out of the Passion. 1 John chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading from verse 10. This is love. Basically what it says is this is how love was born. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be... um, to be, where am I? I know, hold on, I'm reading my notes, not yours, hold on. <laughs> he proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us. And we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. And he has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he he lives in us and that we live in him. Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that Father God has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Those who give thanks that Jesus is the son of God live in God and God lives in them. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love. And we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God. And God lives in them and through them. I want to speak this morning on something that I've titled, A Life of Value is Not a Life of Feeling. God is love. God is love. That's so, it's so emphatic, and it gets down to the essentials of what it's all about. If we want to know what love is all about, the place to go is to the source of love. If you want to know what love is all about, let's go to God. Everybody's got an opinion in the day and age in which we live, but the word love is bandied about with regularity. And so it's really important for us, I believe, to really get grounded and established in what love is, because God lays claim to love. What he says is, I, I own that before anybody else. So let's go to him to find out what love is all about. Love becomes so important for us because I, I, there are so many articles. There is so much happening out in society. There is such a drive and there is such an awareness of the concept of love. And some of what people talk about in terms of love is, is very foreign to, I believe, what God's concept of love is. So I think it's important for us to explore it and so that we get established in truth. We talk about love. We talk about love. But what exactly is love? People have this idea about love, and what they really mean is it's like I, like, I love it when, when I feel good about stuff. I love it when I'm at a place where I have a sensation of pleasure. It is good. It makes me feel. I like it when people speak and affirm who I am because I feel good about myself. I like it when I'm able to do the things that I feel like doing because it is pleasurable to me. It opens up this whole concept that the way that I feel becomes consequential and significant. And the problem with it is, is that if you happen to sabotage my pleasure, what ends up happening is what you're really doing is you're putting a pin in my feelings. And I don't like that because it's offensive. Offensive is an equally big word in the day and age in which we're living. Everything's offensive to people. If I don't like what you're saying, it's offensive. If I don't like who you are, it's offensive. If I don't like what you believe, it's offensive. Everything's offensive. 
What they're really saying is, you're not making me feel good. I don't like the way you make me feel. And so what they're saying is, because you're incongruent with my feelings, it's offensive. But feelings have taken on a, a, an awareness and a place in our society that is potentially unhealthy. Feelings have got to the place where we're starting to legislate feelings as opposed to truth. When we get to that place and that paradigm starts to become a reality, it's very dangerous waters that we start getting into because feelings are not necessarily truth. God says to us, I want you to understand what love is all about. And from a Christian perspective, it becomes important for us because God says, I am love. God says you to walk in love. God says, love your brother as you love yourself. God says the first commandment is to love your God with all your heart and your soul and your being. We're to have his love established in us. We're to live in love. We're to walk in love. Our life is to be defined by love. If we talk so much about love, it's really important that we have a firm grasp on what this love is all about. When I decided to get married to, with Sarah, we had a lovely wedding. And if you weren't there, I'm sorry you missed it. <laughs> but it was great. And my dad officiated and... It was small and intimate with just the two of us, not 14 bridesmaids and everything else. So we kept it. We wanted the focus to be on us. So we went and we got to the front. And when you get to the front there and you're having a look in the eyes of the person that you're about to commit the rest of your life to, you sit and you think about that. And in the moment, it's not perhaps uh, you, you don't give as much thought to it as I did in retrospect. But the thing about it is, the reason that I married Sarah was because we had so much fun together. She always made me laugh. We always used to go, she still makes me laugh. <laughs> we do things, we have similar interests. We love, we, we love gardening and we love creativity and we love tasting different wines and we like traveling and we like having fun together and raising our kids. And it's all about the fun things that we enjoy and it's all about the, the things that make us feel good to be together. And that's part of why I married her. But that really wasn't the full reason of why I married her. You see, because we're all adults in here, part of the reason was also because I find her very sexually attractive. <laughs> Which is a good thing if you have a husband or a wife. It's really sad if you don't have that. But you have to have those things in marriage. You've got to be able to have fun in marriage. You've got to have your feelings come alive. You've got to be at a place where you have chemistry and it's alive. And it's like, you know what? There's something that we share that nobody else in this world gets to indulge in. Nobody else gets to participate in. It belongs to us. But I didn't marry you for that reason. <laughs> Don't get that. It's not that it's not a good contributor. Just keep it. I didn't marry her for that reason. You know why I married her? I married her because I valued her. They told me I'm not allowed to whisper anymore because nobody can hear me. I married her because I valued her. Because when I had a look at options and everything, I saw in her something that was so precious. Valuable. It's like you won the prize. 
That's why you marry somebody. You see, if you marry somebody for chemistry, you can have a little bit of fun. A little bit wild, crazy weekend. It's going to die. And if you marry somebody because you had fun with them and because your feelings were excited and because you felt good about the moment and you felt good about the things that you were doing and you felt good about the time, that's good and it's not, but it's not enough. Because there are going to come times in your marriage where you've got to deal with some realities. There are going to come times when you have kids where you've got to sit and say, where are we going and how do we grow into that space? And what's going to keep you together is not the happy feelings. You've got to have something deeper. And what keeps you there is when you recognize value. What keeps you in that space is where you sit and say, I'm here. Because what I have is precious. And it may be tough right now. And it may be hard. But I'm growing. Because what's happening is keeping me in the space. Because I won the prize. And I won't let go of it. You see, that's how God sees us. You see, when God sees you, God's love is what they call agape. It's value-driven. What it's saying is God sees in you something spectacular, something of such incredible value, something that is so precious that when he looks at you and he says, I will do whatever's necessary because I want relationship with you because of your value to me. You see, when you step and you live from agape, agape is value motivated. Agape says, you know what? It's going to be the motivator that drives me to action. I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to make some changes. Some things are going to happen because everything in my life wants to get to a place where the fullness of the value of what I've discovered is realized. That's the place that God lives from when he looks at us. When God looks at each one of you, he sees something precious. When God looks at sinners, what he does is he sees a prize. He sees something valuable. Feeling-based love wouldn't work there. Because the problem with feeling-based love is God doesn't feel love for anything that's sinful. His nature, holiness, rebels against everything that is of sin. And so if God was motivated by feelings, God would never have relationship with sin. God's not motivated by feelings. God's motivated by value. God says, because I love you so much, because I created you in my image, and you may be at a place where maybe sin has come in, and maybe that image has been tainted, and maybe that image is marred, but I want you to know something. I have offered you something called Jesus And in Jesus, there's such a thing called redemption. And if you step into redemption and you grab hold of it, what it means is it will move you to the place where you can once again be conformed to his image, where you can once again realize the fullness of who I created you to be, and you can step into the true value of who he created you to be. Agape love is a sacrificial love. Eros doesn't want to sacrifice. Phileo is about pleasure. It's not about sacrifice. But agape is about sacrifice. Agape says, 
true with true love, they must always be giving. With true love, they must always be giving. Agape is never satisfied with what's superficial. It's never satisfied with trinkets. Unless it comes at the cost of sacrifice, it's not good enough. Don't tell me you love me, but you treat me the way you do. Don't tell me you love me, but you'll talk behind my back. You don't get to choose where you go to church. People who choose where they go to church live from phileo. People who, get, who choose where they go to church go and find a place that makes me feel good. I like the music. I like the people. They're so friendly and I like the little chats and we have little groups and we all get together. And you don't decide where you get to go to church. You're not the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And what he says is, I'm not plugging you into a church. I'm getting you committed to vision. Body vision. And what he's saying is, I'm going to tell you where I want you to get planted. Why is it important? Because when God and Jesus get you planted somewhere, what he's saying is, I'm putting you in there because of agape. I'm putting you in there because of value. The value that you can give and the value that you can receive. It's important that he plants you in there because if he plants you, it means he's the only one who gets to take us out. The problem with people who join churches because of phileo is it's all about my feelings. And so when somebody takes my seat, I'm not going back to that church. Because they don't respect me. They don't know how important I am. They don't know that I've been there for three years and I've always sat in that seat. How dare they? Phileo will make us leave because it's all about my feelings. But agape will keep you rooted. Agape will keep you grounded. Agape will keep you in a place where Christ can sit and say, I'm doing something in your life because I want you to realize the full value of who you are. And yes, you're going to have iron sharpening iron. And yes, it might be a little bit uncomfortable. And yes, it's going to grate against you a little bit. Because the fact of the matter is, I'm trying to move you to a place where you realize and you step in and you begin to live from the full value of who you are. I don't want you to run. I want you to appreciate. If you're a partner, you give to the church. It doesn't come to the church. What are you giving to? I'm giving to vision. I'm giving to vision. I understand that he's put me here for a reason. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. Where your heart is, there your treasure is. Either way, take it how you like. The fact of the matter is what it's saying is this. What is important to you? You see, the whole point about agape love is it says, I'm prepared to sacrifice because you're important to me. If you've put me in a particular body, I understand what the vision of that body is. And so I'm here. Use me, Lord. How can I touch people's lives that are in the, in, in, in the body with us? What do you want me to do to put something inside of them, to draw out of them something which is of value that you've created on the inside of them? How do you want to use me to support the vision financially? Because it doesn't just happen. You know to what degree we esteem and value him 
by whether we prepare to sacrifice. I love you, Lord. I praise you. Hallelujah. Just don't touch my wallet. (laughs) It's a funny thing, but it's the surest way to know where people's hearts are. Check the wallet. It's number one. Everything else is easy. But in God's economy, it's not that he doesn't value those things, but he really wants to know the thing that's most meaningful to many of us is what costs us. Are you prepared to do it or not? And if not, what does it say about what's most important to me? Just something to think about. The point is, when we live a life that is value-based, a value-based life is a sacrificial life. A value-based life says, I'm gearing my life in who I am and what I'm about because I value that so much that anything that gets in the way of that, anything that doesn't include that, that doesn't reverence that, that doesn't use that to give definition to who I am, out of the way. Take up your cross. Take up your cross. God is calling us to a life of value. God is calling us to live a life that is value-based. A value-based life is a life where agape becomes the deciding factor in my choices. Values become the deciding factor in my choices. Values become the power that motivates my actions. Not feelings. Value. So how do we do this? Jim Bach always comes to mind. He lives in the back of my head. Don't tell me about this stuff. Tell me how to do it. Okay, so I'm going to tell you how to do it in 72 easy steps. God wants you to know his love for you. And when God says, I want you to know my love for you, what he's saying is, I'm not talking about some wishy-washy odds and ends. I want you to know why I value you. I want you to understand why you were created the way that you were. I want you to step into the fullness of who I've designed you to be. And the only way that we're going to get that is by in relationship with him. God uses words to introduce us to who he is. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Let Christ live in your hearts through faith. He's going to do something on the inside of us to create an awareness on the inside of us of who he is. And he's going to use words to do it. He's going to use words to do it. The thing that's different between God's words and our words is that God's word carries innately within it the life to produce life. The life is in the seed. He often talks in the analogies that he uses is, my words are like seeds. The reason that he does that is because what he's saying is, unlike other words that just float about, the seeds that, the words that I speak to you, John 6, 63, my words are spirit and they life. My words are spirit in nature, but they life. So what he's saying is, when you come into a place where the two of us are in communion, when you're talking to me and I'm talking to you, the words that I'm talking to you are carrying within them the very life that is designed to germinate and begin to produce on the inside of you. That's why it's important, because 
Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. I've got to get to a place where I know him. I've got to get to a place as a Christian where it becomes imperative for me to build a meaningful relationship with him. I have to be able to move to, to a space where my spiritual senses are aware so I can hear his voice. I can see the way that he wants to. I can feel his promptings. How do I hear what it is, that, the ideas that he's wanting to communicate? It may not be audible. I don't know how you're going to communicate with him because each one of us is different. But it becomes really important that that relationship be developed because it's in that space that he begins to speak to us. It's in that space that we begin to hear his words. And as we begin to hear his words, what ends up happening is I'm seeding my life. And the life is in the seed. It becomes important because as those seeds begin to grow and germinate, what ends up happening is it produces something on the inside of me. It produces something called faith. The seeds that he speak to me are firstly motivated by his love. Because I love you so much, I want relationship with you. But they're not only motivated by love, but the very contents and the very definition, the very character of what he's giving to you is the fullness of love itself. And so when he speaks to you, he's speaking to you a value proposition about who you are, how he sees you, the way that he sees you living, and he's offering you his love. And so when it grows and germinates on the inside of you, it gives expression to something inside of us, a substance, an actual thing called faith. But that very thing is motivated. And that very thing is the very substance of love. That's why if you have a heart of love, you have a heart of faith. They're inextricably linked. If you have a look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19, I'm going to read this out of the Passion. Verses 19 and 20. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. I'm going to use my love. And I want you to grab a hold of that love. And if you will take it and nurture that love, it's going to grow on the inside of you. And what ends up happening is it's going to produce something on the inside of you, which is the very substance of my love. And inherent within that love is power. What he's saying is, I'm creating a new way for you to live. I'm creating a new substance for you to live from. I'm creating a new foundation for your life that's going to shift your life and change your life. And inherent within that is everything that you need to see the fulfillment of what that value offers you. Then your lives will, your lives will be... Um, an advertisement of the immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. What he's saying is, I want you to know me. The mechanism that God has given us so that we begin to know him, not know about him, but we begin to know him is through faith. 
Faith is God taking the very substance of who he is and imparting it to us. It's substance. Faith is a reality that's on the inside of us. It's not a nebulous thought. It's not an idea. It's not just persuasion. It is a substance on the inside of us that is of God. And what he's saying to us is from that very substance is going to be the opportunity for you to realize and know who I am. Not only that, but you will know your life from that place. What he's saying to us is, I'm looking for a life shift. I'm looking for you to get to a place where you're prepared to say, I'm going to make some changes to my life. And the only way that I can make the changes necessary is to sit and say, I'm going to shift the way that I'm handling life. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to handle it a little bit differently. If you have a look at... um, Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. It says, I don't live by my own faith, but by the faith of Christ. What is he saying? There's something on the inside of me. There has been value imparted to me that comes from God. And I need to reverence that. Because that is going to introduce me to something new. Jesus does something really interesting. And in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, starts talking about faith. And he says, you actually don't need a lot of faith. You just need faith as a mustard seed. All things are possible if you only have faith as a mustard seed. I think of it this way. You hear lots of different ideas about the fact that you need to grow your faith and you need to get your faith bigger and you need to develop your faith and you need... I think of it a little bit differently. And I think what God is really saying is this. I'm putting my love on the inside of you and I'm creating a space for you to live from. You can choose to live from that place or not. But whether that place exists or not is more the question. It's a lot like pregnancy. You either are or you're not. It's not like I'm kind of pregnant. There is no in-between. You either are or you're not. You're either at a place where the substance is on the inside of you or it isn't. Is it there or isn't it? What he's saying is, if it's there, all things are possible. It opens up possibilities to our life and things that we can do that were not previously available to us. It becomes so important because all of a sudden I start stepping into this realm where I start to recognize and appreciate Options that I never had. All of a sudden, God has established on the inside of me his value for me and his love for me. And what he's saying is, I want you to live from this place. I want you to live from this space where you begin to recognize and appreciate this. It is something that is an option to how you are living currently. The problem with people who are not born again is you don't have an option on the inside of you. I can only tackle the reality that I'm currently dealing with. There is no plan B. With God, there is an option. With God, there is an alternative. With God, there is a different way of doing things. It changes so much on the inside of us because what God is saying to us is, I'm looking for you to be a different kind of person. I'm looking for you to be a person of love, but I'm looking for you to live in the true definition of what that means. It means I become a person of value, not a person of feeling. I become a person of value, not a person of feeling. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, where is it now? Be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. Do you know what he's saying there? Don't live by phileo. 
What he's saying is, stop living by how you feel. Well, I just feel this so I can behave any way I want. I just feel like that so I'm sad. Well, I just feel like this so it must be a monster in my life. The problem with it is, is what he's saying is, you're going to be a conformist as long as you live by phileo. If you get grounded and rooted in feeling love, you're always going to be like a reed that's tossed this way and that way. One day I'm going to feel like this, and the next day I'm going to feel like that. What he's saying is, I want you to change who you are. No longer live by feelings. Because if you live by feelings, you're going to be at a place one day where you look at the realities around you and you're going to go, I'm fearful. But then somebody will give you a bit of good news and suddenly I'm happy, it's okay now. But somebody says, but that might not happen. But then I'm banning down in the doldrums. I'm a conformist. I'm living by phileo. I'm living by my feelings. And depending on how my feelings move, determines how I go. And when they're down, man, life is terrible. And when they're up there, boy, am I the life of the party. But you never know what you're going to get. You never know what you're going to get. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What he's saying is, stop living by phileo and start living by agape. Agape says, I'm not living by how I feel. I want to find value. Where's the value? I'm looking for the value. I'm in pursuit of value. Phileo says, I'm after what is valuable in the situation. The only place that you're going to try and find true value is going to come from him. And when you find that place, what will end up happening is I start having a look at that and I start saying, Father, you know what? I want to change my life a little bit. It's uncomfortable for me. I might have to do some stuff that I haven't wanted to do. And I might still not want to do it. But the thing is, I know that it's the right thing to do because I'm not motivated by how I feel. I'm motivated by value. I'm changing my life. I'm changing that and I'm stepping into it. Phileo and agape can run concurrently. And so it's important for us to make sure that we determine what's in the driver's seat. I discovered value. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It's value-based. It's not because you did it. It's because he loved you so much and finds you so valuable that what he ended up doing was he went to the cross and paid the price so that you could experience a value called righteousness. It is a value. It's not a feeling. We grab hold of it and we hold on to it with agape. Because if you ever try and hold on to righteousness with phileo in your feelings, you're going to be in trouble. Agape will keep you established in the value. Phileo will move you left and right. You know what happened today? I lost my temper with my kids. I'm not righteous and I feel so bad. What happens? If I live with phileo, I move all the time. And I don't find myself grounded and established in who he called me to be. I don't start to define my life by what he's called me to be. Because phileo is coming in all the time and moving me from where I was 
this way and that way. I have to get to a place where I sit and say, I love my feelings. I appreciate their feelings, but they don't take the preeminence. They don't sit in the driver's seat. Agape sits in the driver's seat. Value sits in the driver's seat. And what I do is I begin to build my life around value. And as I move into value, what ends up happening is phileo will follow. True love is agape love. It's not phileo love. It's not phileo love. God wants to introduce us to his love. How he values us and who we are and the value for our life. And it begins to give expression on the inside of us by something called faith. The thing is, I don't know about you, but I used to think that when faith was established on the inside of me, faith would be overriding. It would be so overwhelming that it would flood everything and nothing else would be a reality to me. But I haven't found that. What I found is, it's very real. And he puts that on the inside of us. But my faith is a confidence that brings with it an invitation. I still determine where I want to invest my belief. Your belief is what you fall in love with. What God is saying is, right at the moment, you have a reality that's on the outside of you, which is your world. And you have another reality that's built on the inside of you, which is called faith. This reality is all about your feelings, and it's all about phileo. This reality is all about agape, and it's all about values. How do you want to live? Where do you want to put your faith? What do you want to fall in love with? You see, when we get to the place where we recognize who he is and what he's all about, what we do is we, we, we begin to appreciate and exercise our value for the value he's put inside of us. So what I say is, I value his design, his intention, his perspective, and his design more than anything else. And because of that, I'm going to invest my belief in my faith. What ends up happening is belief carries with it my love. It is a carrier of my life, my love. Belief is what you fall in love with. When belief which carries my love comes in contact with faith, which is of him and the embodiment of his love, the very substance of his love, love meets love. And all of a sudden life is birthed in my life. That's why it says, faith worketh by love. It's the full expression of who he is, reaching out, sitting, saying, I'm giving you an option. I want you to realize how valuable you are. I want, to realize, I want you to realize the future which is defined by value. Do you want it? The thing about love is it can never be forced. Love has to be freely given and freely received. And so he looks for us to sit and say, I voluntarily want to place my belief in that. I want to fall in love with that. 
we have control and we have influence of what we fall in love with. What we spend our time meditating on, what we spend our time thinking on, the things that consume our thoughts and our thinking life are the things that we're going to fall in love with. If you have a look at Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in a day and night that you may observe to do all, uh, according to all that is written in it, and then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You will meditate in a day and night. The thing is, in the Old Testament, they never had the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. So what he says is, I'll give you the word. But will you meditate on it? What he's saying is, the thing that you decide to give preeminence to in your life is the thing that you spend your time meditating on. Choose wisely. Meditate on value, not feelings. If you meditate on feelings, you will go the way of phileo and you will look like a conformist and will become like our world. What he's saying is, there is a better way. Live by my love called agape. Recognize value and step into value. Spend your time meditating on things that are value-based. Because when you meditate on those things, what will end up happening is, I'll fall in love with them. And when I fall in love with them, my love and his love become one. And all of a sudden, life is introduced to my world. It redefines how I live. It doesn't mean that even in you, while we're living in that space, that you're not going to have conflicting thoughts. We will have conflicting thoughts. Why? Because the things that constitute agape of the spirit, they are value-based. The things that are phileo are feelings. They are of your mind. They're not the same thing. I can still make a decision that I'm going to live by the substance on the inside of me, the value that he's put on the inside of me. And while I'm living by that space, I can still have thoughts coming into my head all the time that are coming from up here. The thing about it is, render them useless. Take control over every thought that you have. We don't have to be at a place where we're subject to our thoughts. Our thoughts are subject to us. We can take control over them. Take authority over them. Why? Because I'm moving back to the space where I'm sitting saying, I want a life that's value-based. I want a life that's value-based. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. On all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You direct your trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. What he's saying is, I'm looking for you to affirm agape, not phileo. In our journey through life, love becomes so important to us because whether we like it or not, it becomes something which is inextricably linked to who we are, how we live, our relationship with God and our interactions with other people. 
And so it becomes really, really valuable for us to move to a place where we have an appreciation and a value for what God's definition of love is. God's definition of love is not eros, and it's not phileo. It's not sexually related, and it has... It does have to do with phileo, but phileo is not in the driver's seat. He still wants you to feel. God's not looking for you to be a robot. God's not looking for us to live from a place where we never feel or exercise anything. But what he's saying is he wants us to step into a place where we live and we're motivated by value. God still feels for you, even though his primary driver is agape. He values us so very much, but we can hurt him. We can make him happy. He can smile at us. He can be disappointed. But he never loses value for you. He never loses value for you. What keeps him connected, what keeps him involved, what keeps him committed to you is the the very fact that you are so precious to him. When we start moving into a place where our relationship with God is value-based as opposed to feeling-based, it will change the way that we interact and we live with him. Because all of a sudden, I'm not moved on a continual basis by whether I feel good today or I feel bad, whether I feel righteous or I don't feel righteous. I move to a place where I start living from values, and I look for those values to begin to redefine who I am. I'm living in the space where I sit and say, greater is he that's in me, greater is the life that's on the inside of me, greater is the love that's on the inside of me, greater is the value that's on the inside of me than anything that's around me. And I'm looking for that space to come in and to flood who I am and to reaffirm who I am and to begin to redirect and change the path of my life. I'm committing to value. I live a life of value. In our interactions with people, what separates a codependent relationship from a healthy relationship is that it's founded and grounded on value, not feeling. People become codependent when I look for you to make me feel good. I don't need you to make me feel good. That's unhealthy. A healthy relationship in a marriage should not always be something where you affirm one another. I've had things in in people do dumb things. And their spouse is like, well, I really love them. So as a good spouse, I really need to support them. Rubbish. A good spouse sits and says, that's not valuable. I'm here as your spouse. I'm here as your significant other to tell you, don't go down that road. It's a bad choice. You can do it if you want because I don't have control over you and it's not my place to do that. But as your spouse, I'm telling you right now, I don't believe that that's godly. I don't believe that it comes from him and I'm telling you it's a mistake. That is a good spouse. We've got to stand up. When we live from value, we'll live from a place of courage. When we have value, it opens our eyes and gives us definition that we never had before. Because without it, when you live in feelings, it's just like, I'm not sure how I feel right now. I'll let you know in a moment. And it might change. Feelings are good, and God gave us feelings for a reason. But if we ever put feelings in the driver's seat, we end up in trouble. Because our life does this. I make choices that are significant choices that affect my future and what I look like and who I am and where I go. And I made it off a feeling. I never made it off a value. And I regret it. But the good thing in all of that is because you're so valuable to him, he never leaves you nor forsakes you. 
We may have to pick up the pieces. We may have to put the wheels back on. We may have to deal with some consequences. But he never leaves us nor forsakes us. My encouragement for you today is this. A few things. I'll give you an encouragement and then I'm going to give you homework. My encouragement is this. Become a person of agape. Step out of phileo and leave that behind you. I don't always have to feel good. I don't always have to feel stroked. I don't always have to feel on top of the world. Move to a place where I begin to recognize and I'm in hot pursuit. I'm searching. I'm searching for the truffles of value. Find the truffles of value. Live from value. Homework this week is this. I want you to really encourage you. Separate yourself and spend some time building relationship with him. Get quiet. Move away from everything else. Move away from the distractions, the noise, the kids, the dog that's biting the postman and everybody else. Find a place that's quiet. And just get a verse that he gives you and begin to meditate on that. And see where it goes. Don't listen for voices. Pursue ideas. If an idea pops into your head, it may just come from him. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is spirit and life. I thank you for what's been spoken here today and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will take the seeds that have been spoken and I pray that you will seed every person's heart with those. I want to thank you, Father, for the life that's in the seed. I want to thank you that it's germinating right now and it's springing forth and producing life in people. I thank you for the substance that will be established in their heart and I thank you for the opportunities that it presents to us. Possibilities in you, Father that transcend where we are. I thank you, Father, for a people who are value-centered, a people who have their lives concentrated and focused on value, not feeling, people who live their lives according to your instruction, your invitation, and your design. I want to thank you for the power that's within that. I want to thank you, Father, that as we take our lives and as we sacrifice phileo to walk into agape, I want to thank you that we walk into the fullness of who you are and the presentation of that, not only in who we are, but in our life. We bless you for it and we thank you for it. Amen.